Welcome to Warm and Fuzzy, a podcast dedicated to all things nostalgic. We review our favourite movies, TV shows and talk about the fun trends from our childhood. I'm your host Shane. And I'm your co-host Amelia. Okay guys, so welcome back. Um, Episode 2, I can't believe it. Yeah, oh my god, I'm so glad that we're back. I'm so glad that enough people listened and enjoyed it. We think you enjoyed it, at least. Yeah, we, think, we think you did. <laughs> at least enough to warrant us doing a second episode. But to be honest, I think we would have done additional episodes anyway. We're willing and dedicated, no matter who tunes in and who doesn't tune exactly. in. So don't feel obliged, but we really appreciate it. <laughs> um, so I guess we'll start off this episode. Firstly, I'll ask you, Amelia, how's your week been? It's been okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're on week. One million of lockdown. I, 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 yeah. That that's where we're at. So I'm doing okay. One million. Yeah, that's where we're at. It feels like it's been two million, but totally feel that. But I will say the weather is getting nicer here in Sydney, so I'm kind of loving it. All the sunshine. It just makes me really happy. Agreed. Those those one walks. Those like few little bits of walks. Stupid we're little walk. Yeah, those stupid little <laughs> walks we're allowed each day. That makes it worth it. The sun. Totally. <laughs> Um, like, subscribe, follow, Warm and Fuzzy Podcast. Let us know what you think. We love your feedback. It please really... leave a five-star review if you enjoyed mm-hmm. the podcast. If you did not, please do not review us. Yeah. And if you have any queries, feel free to reach out to us either via DM on Instagram or you can reach out to us via email, which is warmandfuzzypodcast at gmail.com. I'm sexy. Okay, so today we're talking about one of my all-time favorite movies, Bring It On. Bring It On. Bring It On. (laughs) Very iconic, very 2000s. I think it really sets the tone being made in 2000. Mm -hmm. Um, It is directed by Peyton Reed. Another noteworthy film that Peyton has um, directed is Ant-Man. Yes. I liked that movie. Yeah. Very polarizing in comparison to Bring It On. Like it's... Oh, yeah, true. You either like love it or you hate it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like Bring It On's kind of like you love it. Everyone loves Bring It On. Yeah. We love being able to crush tiny men in (laughs) (laughs) Ant-Man. Anyway, um, cast... Kristen Dunst, iconic, 90s, 2000, slash even today, mm-hmm. queen. Um, Eliza Dushku, uh, who plays Missy. And then we have Jesse Bradford, who plays Cliff, the brooding... Um, Twin brother of Missy. Yes, of Missy. And then we've got Gab Union, who plays Isis. From The Clovers. Yes, and who was also in last week's episode, as we discussed, She's All That. Yes, that's right, because she was in She's All That before. She apparently Mm -hmm. is all that. Mm -hmm. Two movies in two years. Two iconic movies in two years. Correct. That's great. So I guess for anyone who hasn't seen Bring It On, turn this podcast episode off right now. (laughs) No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. This is essentially the premise of the entire movie. Torrance, a very privileged white girl, <laughs> goes to Rancho Carney High, the school of everyone's dreams. Um, and she meets Missy because Missy transfers from LA. She Missy becomes- tries out for the cheerleading squad. At the first practice, she realizes that, um, hi, sis, you've been ripping off those cheers. Torrance doesn't believe her. 
they go to East Compton and that's where shit goes down. Mm -hmm. They meet Isis, the head of the Clovers. You know what? She's been taking it four other years, but she's not taking it this year. She is here <laughs> to fight for that title, hon. She's here to fight for that title. She is going to go to the cheerleading championships and she's going to beat the, the Taurus. She's going to beat them. I'm sorry. I'm just sitting here in awe. Like you were <laughs> so good at <laughs> summarizing the whole movie. That was so dramatic. I loved it. So essentially they go to the cheerleading championships. Um, the Clovers do take out the win. We love an underdog. We love that. So they do win. Well-deserved. 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 And um, the Clovers, sorry, the Toros come second. There's a lot that happens in between that, which we will break down. But overall, Amelia, how do you feel about the movie? I loved it. So Bring It On for me was my first introduction to competitive cheerleading. I hadn't seen anything like it before. And <laughs> I love it. I love how serious competitive cheerleading. <laughs> competitive cheerleading. Did you not want to be a cheerleader after I want, it? I 100% wanted to be a cheerleader because I had done gymnastics in primary school and in high school. I had never done it at a like fully competitive level where yeah. I was at like, you know, the Australian Institute of Sport, like anything hectic it was very like low level gymnastics but she, I loved it she was minor league yeah I was minor league yeah. very much there was no a-league gymnastics for me <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I I loved it I loved the dancing and it was just so of the era you know like watching it back now you can see all the fun beauty trends that have now come back because everything comes back the music choices, like the remix, those weird loud remixes that they use for the competitive dancing. Oh, insane. Lol, like it's so intense, but I remember that influenced my own like competitive dancing like so heavily. Yeah. That I was looking for those weird like loud remix tracks to dance to. <laughs> for f now and forever, I'll hear prepare for total domination. 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 <laughs> Y'all ready for this? That will like forever be in my head. Yeah. Like that song will Spirit never leave. fingers, all of it. Like it just, it, it really influenced culture so much, don't you think? It did. I think, yeah, I just think it was such a culturally enriching movie. It just like really did set the tone for every other movie that followed it. There's like six spin-offs, like oh, six sequels wild. or something like that. I know like me personally, I've only watched Bring It On and Bring I, It I, On All or Nothing. I've literally seen this one. I haven't okay. seen any of the other ones. I've only seen a scene from the third one, which okay. is Hayden Panettiere crumping. <laughs> <laughs> and the crumping is trage. Slash the whole movie is trage. I'm only there for Solange. I literally like, have not seen it, but that's the only scene that I have seen. Jesus. Um, and... It was shocking. So I was just like, I can't, I can't do it. It was no. really one of those things where I was so fully committed to the original that I could just never watch a sequel. So I still can't believe there's six. I knew there was four. So I knew there was a second one that flopped. Three was like, eh, because it had like Hayden Panettiere and Solange in it. Like, you know what I mean? Like And Rihanna as well, right? Rihanna was in it as well, like for five seconds. She like sung Pondere Play and like... <laughs> Did her thing. Baby Riri. Yeah, baby Riri, trying to get a gig. Um, and then I knew the fourth one has, I think, Ashanti in it. I think the fourth one had like the girl from Pretty Little Light. It had like a solid cast. Yeah. Apparently. I was reading like somebody's 
um, rankings of all the movies and they ranked the third one with Hayden Panettiere as their number one Bring It On movie. <gasps> I know, insane. Oh my God, Oy. they must be like from the early 2000s. They I must be know. like a I, I think baby. it just must have been like a piss take. But um, speaking of piss takes, the intro song, that iconic intro song. Iconic. I'm sexy. I'm, I'm cute. cute. I'm, I'm popular to boot. Okay. It's <laughs> just like, we'll stop now. Um, but it's they, iconic. Almost, they almost didn't. Include that. They, they almost, almost cut, cut it. it from the film entirely. Insane. Can you imagine if they did that? Like what an average movie that would have been? I really think it set the tone for the entire movie as well. Like you knew what you were getting. You were getting this fun, comical take of like cheerleaders in America. Like I guess the quintessential American teen years. That's kind of what you were getting. Oh, and yeah. that's was, what they delivered. It was so tongue in cheek, like paying themselves out saying that all the boys like want to touch their chest and yeah. they act like they're on speed. Like it's, it's so funny. And you yeah. just, you know that it's a piss take right from the start. And you know what? That song is so iconic. Like everybody knows that song. Mm-hmm. If they've seen Bring It On, they can sing that song. You know the song. And like, I'm assuming most people that have seen Bring It On are probably like me and have seen it like a hundred times. Yes. I watch it every year. Oh, me too. It's always something I go back to. It's like a yearly thing. I would say like only that and Mean Girls have that effect on me and every other movie I'm like, not every other movie, but like most other movies I'm like, eh, you know what I mean? Like I could, I could rewatch it and I could not. There's so many that I rewatch, but then that's the whole thing with us calling it warm and fuzzy. It's like, we want to rewatch nostalgic movies because they make us feel good. They do. Um, but yeah, so that intro song is amazing. It sets the tone for the movie and it's mm-hmm. also a fun way to introduce us to the Toros from yes. Rancho Carne High and obviously Kirsten Dunst or Torrance and how she's going to become cheer mm-hmm. captain. But it ends up being a dream, blah, blah, blah. She wakes up. Can we run it back to Rancho Carne High? Mm. Because it really does set an unrealistic expectation of what high school is going to be like. First of all, that is a university, which I found out when I was researching this. Because you wanted to go to Rancho Carney High. Because I wanted to go to Rancho Carney High. And then in year seven, when those gates of Matchville Sports High School opened, I never wanted them to close. And they did because I hated high school. I hated going to that high school. It was a prison. You know what I just remembered? So my first... I may have seen Bring It On at the movies, but my first real memory of watching it was coming back from an overseas holiday to the US and having an illegally recorded VCD. Oh my God. And VCD. that, and we had it, we had Bring It On on VCD. <sighs> and so we, I, my memories of just watching a really shitty copy of it and I was watching it again, obviously on the weekend and there were little bits that I hadn't seen. That was the VCD. And that was like the person with the camcorder, like having to like move the camera away so that the (laughs) staff in the cinema didn't catch him recording the film. Stop. I miss the days of like the Thailand ripoff. Yes. I had so many from the Philippines, but yeah, that was, that's my experience with Bring It On is an illegal copy of it. Dead. Mm. We love that. We love plagiary. Plagiary? No, it's, it's fraud. Forgery? Yeah, forgery, plagiarism, theft. Someone's property is being stolen. I remember seeing those ads at the beginning of the movie. Yes. Remember, it's like, would you steal a car? Would you steal a plane? But then so don't steal a movie. You knew it was a good ripoff if they included that warning at the start of the DVD or the video. Honey, that was being hocked left, right and centre if they put that at the beginning of the movie. That that was getting getting burnt left, right and centre. Oh, my God. 
Um, okay, so talking about, let's talk about the fashion from the film. Yeah. It is quintessential 2000s fashion. You've got the frilly little crop tops. Butterfly. Butterfly, butterfly clips. clips. You have the chopsticks in the hair. Yeah. You have Missy's top that says rub for good luck, which I'm pretty sure I saw either in Patty's Markets or in Supre after it. the film came out. you got That's- cargo pants. What else? It's serving very much Supre. Like mm-hmm. that's something Supre would have sold in oh, the yeah. early 2000s. Yeah. And I think it's just so funny like how all these trends have come back because watching it now, I'm like, oh my God, so many people are wearing these things again. Yeah. going on, You jump on TikTok and you'll see like at least one girl in your feed like wearing like a frilly crop top or like... With a knee length skirt and platform thongs. Yeah. Gross. Gross. <laughs> and like the makeup is so fresh and like pearlescent yes. and pretty. It's pearlescent, but it's also like really matte, don't you think? Like I feel like it was matte. all about the matte. The skin is matte, but you see like a wash of shimmer on the eyes. Mm-hmm. You see like a shimmery lip gloss, um, except that you can tell that obviously it was of the era, but like the makeup on the Clovers from yeah. East Compton is... It's not as flattering as it could be, you know, like yeah. makeup has changed and evolved so much totally. recently. So like over the years, I mean, inclusive. yeah, so because yeah. you, you look at like the makeup on the clovers, you know, like it looks a little bit ashy, like the mm-hmm. tones aren't right or they use like one shade of gold on all of them and it doesn't look as... I'm not a makeup expert, but it's serving very corpse. Corpse vibes, very oh gray, my God. Very corpse, like what's with, what's with like makeup? for darker shades like being so i mean it just they hadn't made them yet which is wild because it was 2000 yeah. it wasn't yeah it wasn't like you know what i mean the 1600s Come yeah on. Like exactly were, you, you know can pick I mean? a different kind of shimmer yeah a different Jesus tone at least Christ. so we know that the movie is very much about power and privilege mm-hmm. it is a commentary a tongue-in-cheek commentary on race and class because you have the rancho car car you have the rancho carne toros who are white and they have you know that beautiful rich ass school predominantly white as well like i guess you have like a sprinkle you've got whitney who's asian <laughs> and like darcy who might be italian yeah. question mark like you don't really, yeah, it's like that's as far as that diversity goes. Oh, yeah, and Missy and Cliff are Italian. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, and it's like, is that really diversity? That's, like, just, like, a kind of dark white. You no. know what I mean? It's, yeah. It's not, that's dark not white? A, I'm half Italian, so I can say it. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, 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 like, dark white. It's not, it's not. Yeah, and I only had, w- I had one person to look, f- to look up to in that movie, and that was Whitney. Was Whitney. And, and she's of, not even the same kind of, kind of Asian as no. me. No, and of course they found, like, a time to, like, chuck some chopsticks in her hair and, like, you know what oh, I no, mean? Oh, no, they it's chucked, like, oh, sh- did she have chopsticks in I her hair? I think she did. Missy had them Missy too. Missy also had them. Right. Problematic. I had them. <laughs> <laughs> it was 2000s. Um, can we talk about one of my favourite scenes? And I think it's, like, a really iconic cinematic moment. The toothbrushing. Oh my god, the, the tension. Okay. The, ten- the sexual so. tension could be cut with a knife. 
So context, even though everybody knows what scene this is, uh, Torrance is staying at Missy and Cliff's house for a sleepover after a competition. It was like a meet. So it was like their first meet with Missy and the team. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So she stays and has a sleepover. And at this point, she's kind of developed a crush on Missy's twin brother, Cliff. Um, And they have this scene. And I think the directors were saying, like, how could they have them cross paths Mm -hmm. at a sleepover? And it would really be that, you know, like, he bumps into her in the bathroom. Totally. But, like, also, don't you think that's, like, a very strange place to bump into someone? Not when you have a big-ass house and a big-ass bathroom that has two sinks like that. And they, like, the siblings obviously share a bathroom. I still, to this day, haven't had a double-sinked vanity. And I would kill for one i hella want like a his and hers sink yeah. situation yeah we have his, his and we have his and hers bathrooms though because we have two bathrooms oh i love that <laughs> jealous i want his and, i want his and his bathrooms god damn it <laughs> but yeah so they like they're brushing their teeth and i have that in my notes i'm like exclamation marks the bathroom scene the bathroom scene it's just like the sexual tension is there um Torrance has just run into Cliff playing the guitar in the hallway before. Um, She was, like, watching him from the hallway. Missy springs her ass and she's like, why are you watching my brother? Basically, She catches on to it. Um, And then, yeah, the the toothbrushing scene begins. They do not say a word to each other in that bathroom. No, it's like a one-minute scene and they're not speaking. They're just, like, flirtatiously brushing their teeth and kind of, like, making eye contact and then not... And, and then, spitting the and then spitting. But he, he's obviously like such a boy. So he just like mm-hmm. spits it willy nilly. And I'm like Torrance where I'm so self-conscious. Where yeah. I was like. She's like covering cover. her mouth. And yes. like doing the cheeky little. So polite. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it's very like, it's very, there's a lot of tension. There's a lot of like vibes. And it kind of like, that's when I think you first see the romance really blossoming and then obviously Torrance creeps back to the bed after and Missy confronts her and she's like are you into my brother yeah that's right no and controversial is yeah Torrance has a boyfriend yeah who is in college yeah um but all the while he's cheating on her (laughs) you're not my sister (laughs) (laughs) he like he gets off the phone with Torrance because he like doesn't ever pick up the phone since moving to college and then she they obviously get off the phone and then he crawls back into bed with the girl that he's sleeping That's with. the next morning as well. That's when like Sparky Palastri comes into the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. choreographer to the help choreographer. them with their scenes. Okay, yeah. but let's circle back to just like even the beginning scenes where they're in the locker room and like how they talk, mm-hmm. how I have it written down. She puts the da in dumb. She puts the whore in horrible. <laughs> <laughs> the itch in bitch. Like that, I'm look, that influenced how I spoke as well. Like oh, I was totally. not smart enough to think of anything that rhymed with words. So I just copied those. Yeah. So yeah, like they have that really fun rhythmic way of speaking. But then obviously you get into scenes like where um, Missy is in the car uh, with the other cheerleaders and they're going to their first game. And she says to... Leslie, who is um, a gay cheerleader, but it's obviously like he's not out. Um, She says, you speak... Fag. Yes. She says, do you speak fag? And he responds with, quite fluently. Um, It's obviously very like tongue-in-cheek in in that moment. But I guess now looking back at it as a 30-year-old 
gay man, I'm like, oh, yeah, she's a big go, cringe. Like, yeah, it's, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not gay, but I know that that word, it just to me, it just sounds so harsh and yeah. so obviously. I don't know, like the meaning, not the meaning behind mm-hmm. the word, but just like how it's used. It's not used anymore. No. And so hearing it in the movie, you're like, fuck, Whoa. you can't say that That's anymore. Wild. <laughs> I quite often, and like not to get deep, I've, I've had conversations with friends before and they're like, you know, that word is like the last word some people hear before they've been like beaten up or like, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like, so it's problematic in that sense. Very casual in the movie, though. Mm. And which is obviously, like, showing showing that it is of the time. Totally. How much much society has grown since then. Yes. 21 years, like, in the realm of history is quite a short time. So to see how much we've progressed, or we hope most people have progressed, to see that word kind of now work its way out of, I guess, mainstream lingo Mm. is great you know it's um, just so confronting when you watch the movie and then totally also they call missy a, a dyke. dyke they so she's doing her tryout and then yeah. they're like oh miss is an uber dyke yeah miss is an uber dyke yeah, yeah like yeah. it's <laughs> to turn to a positive note can we talk about the cute little makeover like the not makeover makeover she gets like they don't ever like address the fact that she's gotten a makeover it's just kind of like rocks up to like and she does her little dance on the stairs oh yeah at to the, beginning the of black that. song yeah. as if okay yep, 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 so yep, yep. fun fact that band is in the movie they're, oh the, my God. they're the clovers oh yeah so you've got isis who's gabrielle union and then you've got her three other um like yep. cheerleading cohorts and that's the girl group black that's and that's why the song is playing so much in the movie because they actually wrote it for the soundtrack for the movie so it's funny you say that shamari shamari I think Shamari Reed, I think is her last name. She is on Real Housewives of Atlanta for like one or two seasons. And she's in the movie. So she plays Lava, I think. Okay. Because there's yeah. one who was in the group and she passed away in Not 2012. Her. And yeah. that was. She got hit and by she, a car. Yeah. She played Lafred. Lafred. Yeah. So, Iconic. Yeah. It's, it's one like of so my favorite movies. One of my favorite quotes from the movies is better. I choke you Lafred. You know, when they're like writing the, when they're writing the note to Patty, is it Patty, Patty Patone? Oh yeah. 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 The um, talk show the talk host. Show host. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So funny. Iconic. Uh, mine is beat these buffies down so I can go home. I got curfew girl. <laughs> yeah, I'm on curfew girl. <laughs> so that line was also like kind of tongue in cheek because Three of the people in the movie were like guest stars on Buffy. So I know, obviously, Elijah, yeah. Eliza Dushku, was. Yeah. Courtney. Courtney. <gasps> was she, she? Yeah. So I don't know what her role was in Buffy because I haven't seen too much of it. Um, and then another person. So there's three in oh total who are on Buffy. So that's why it's quite that's funny. That's iconic. Yeah. And can we talk about Isis? Yes. Isis is just like, to me... A goddess. A goddess. Yeah. Literally her namesake. She's a goddess. She really empowers... I I think she really embodies, sorry, the powerful woman that, like, I guess everyone wants to be, right? Like Powerful leader. Powerful leader. She is, like, not having any of the Torah's bullshit anymore. They've been there ripping those cheers for five years, winning trophies... Guess what? They're her trophies now. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think she did such a great thing in 
not playing the stereotypical African-American yeah. that they had written. Yeah. And I think I read an interview where she said that she didn't want to play into the stereotype. And so she made sure that Isis as a character was very strong yeah. and very, you know, just, just not a stereotype. No. But then the she other three. She was strong. She was eloquent. She delivered. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas you have the other three who are very much there for comedic relief. Yeah. 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 Isis was there for business, baby. Mm -hmm. She was not there to play around. She wanted that money. She wanted that prize money. She knew what it would do for her community. She knew what it would do for the cheer team. She's just like it to me. You love her. I love her. I'm obsessed. She makes me question my sexuality. Oh, my God. That's so funny. That's okay. Um, Missy made me question mine. We love that. She (laughs) is also spicy. Such a spicy babe. Um, so obviously we have the game that they went to their first game, um, Rancho Carne, and they are doing their cheers and then four of the Clovers rock up mm-hmm. and decide to do their cheer at the same time because it's a ripped off cheer from them. Um, and I found out that they actually had two choreographers teaching the different teams so that they obviously had that difference in how they danced. So you had like one choreographer who was working with the Clovers so that it was like much more loose and like mm-hmm. really fun choreography. And then you could see the Toros and it was like more stiff, like white girl choreography. Yeah. You can see that, you know, the Clovers, the Clovers, the way they moved and the way they did their work, like did their cheers were very much street inspired versus and just like they made it yeah yeah totally versus um the toros who are very much yeah stiff not that and like the way they executed that i still think about all the time like they executed it so beautiful yeah um what one is it? Let's go, Toros. Dun, 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 dun. And then it's like, oh, yeah, we sweet. We got this thing we can't be beat. Yeah, it's like iconic. Yeah. Go, Toros. Go, go Toros. Go, 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 Toros. Go, Clovers. Go, Clovers. Go, 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 Clovers. It's iconic. Oh, my God. Um, I have a random note in here from the audition scene where they're trying to find a new Toro. And Britney Spears' backup dancer is in it. Oh, my God. Yeah, so I just remembered all of the backup dancers because I used to watch her tours on video like every single night. You're a true Britney stan. I am a Britney stan. You should be a gay man. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) And so he – and he's also um, uh, in Crossroads. Oh, my God. And he's the guy who like tries to get Britney to dance with him. Okay. And then gets punched by that love interest. Oh. Yeah. Um, so he's actually, he's a ballet dancer. Okay. In the audition scene. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, that's Britney's um, backup dancer. And, oh, what's his name? Les. He, he's like very like. Oh, yeah. He has a little him. crush on yeah, him. he has a little crush. My favorite scene in that obviously besides the 1000 flips Missy does. Mm, love what that. What is it? Randolph Brackhand Spring. Duck out, yeah. not up, back on handspring, <laughs> like full twisting layout. Um, <laughs> dead. That was like a, that was a mouthful. Um, <laughs> I love the girl that comes in and like raps and she's like, hey, yo, what's up? What's oh up? Oh my God. It's time to get busy. And she like just starts and it's like, hun, how did you get here? That scene is so great. It's one of my favorite scenes, yeah. the audition. Yeah. Yep. Um, another thing is how 2000s it is. 
uh, Missy's VW. Oh, the blue the VW. Buggy. Yeah, and then it probably has like the little vase in the on the dashboard with yeah. like it probably came with the sunflower in it. Yeah. The only thing that would have made it more 2000s was making it green. Like, I feel like everyone True. had that green, like that frog green. Well, Missy is a rebel, so she yeah. was always going to have blue. Um, and then someone had the iMac. Who had an iMac? Someone had the iMac, you know, the iconic blue and white iMac. Oh, my God, did they? Yeah, someone had it. It must have been Missy or it was um, Torrance. I know, like, you obviously see, like, Torrance's little brother playing the PlayStation 1 and like, just like everything about it is so quintessentially 2000s. You know what else I love about the movie and something I will note, like a very iconic scene, getting the mixtape, Jesse dropping off the mixtape. Yes. Sorry, not Jesse, Cliff dropping off the mixtape to Torrance and... Um, her just like going crazy on her going bed, crazy dancing on the bed. along to it. You're yeah. just what I need and you're just what I... I don't know if like, did he sing that? Um, I have no idea. I have no idea either, but I would like to know. Okay, let's talk about the car wash scene. That made me crack up so yes. much. Yes, you're freaking me, baby. Um, me so crazy. they have a car wash to raise money to pay for the choreographer mm-hmm. um, to help them come up with the the dance for the competition, um, the cheer, sorry. And it just, it's like how times have changed, mm-hmm. you know, like, you wouldn't see it in movies now where you have women openly like just getting their bits out, like being in bikinis oh, or totally. for, you know, dudes to stare at. And like on top of that, they make it like they make it clear that that's why they're doing it. They also think about it in the movie underage. So they would exactly. be like 16 or 17 years old. And like Missy says, she's like something about like guys oogling my goodies. Like, Cause you Cliff know. rocks up because he wants to see Torrance and mm-hmm. he's like, completely dirtied his car so that he can get it cleaned by her and then he's like what are you doing and she's like making money from guys oogling, oogling my, my goodies, goodies. Yeah. and it's so funny yeah. because it's like fuck you would not see a movie Facts. now where yeah where the women will be doing that yeah i think there's almost like i think in saying that as well, when Missy does it, it's almost like she's like, I'm doing this, but like I'm a feminist and I know like she's like she's she's making it quite obvious, right? That like she's like, I'm doing this, like this is my body and I know it's getting these cars, it's getting these cars. She's using her she's she's using it to yeah. her advantage. And she's that's, using her brain and her body. She was hundred percent using her body to her advantage, like they all were, and I think that's fine. Yeah. Like I think like I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. There's women who do. There's women who do it now. Yeah. Like, and there's nothing wrong with that. You're in a bikini. You're at a car wash. You are 100 taking advantage of these young guys who just want to stare at your boobs. Yeah. And they'll pay money for you to do that. Like. And you're making a buck. Yeah. I'm not mad. Anything yeah, exactly. you got to do to hustle to get yeah. the dollar, I'm happy about. <laughs> the only thing that I'm like oh, about is the fact that they are in high school. Oh, totally. Yeah. I think it's their senior year. So like you would be like, yeah, 17, 17 18. 18. Okay. So it's like less controversial, con- still, controversial but still controversial. Yeah. yeah. I guess speaking on that as well, we can talk about. So this is another scene like that I think of and it's like very problematic when Sparky Palastri lines everyone up and he like literally body shames. Every one of those people in the line. And he says, like, report... He says, like, to Darcy, report those continents to your ass before it, like, creates its own orbit or something like that. Like, he says something along those lines where he's, like, clearly, like, she's a very muscular, fit woman. 
She looks fantastic. Totally. But that ass is iconic. But her body was not on trend. No. Which is oh so shit. But like you'll see how it changes with some of the movies that we talk about. But like this was still very much the skinny mini era. Yeah. So any you had girl, to be a cardboard. Like you had to be as flat as cardboard, both sides, in order to be attractive, which is wild. So any girl who had any kind of curve, like if you saw somebody who had like a big booty, like it was, you know, even in white chicks, they talk mm-hmm. about like having a badonkadonk, you know, like it was not cool then. And it's just funny, like he tells her to stop eating so that eventually her body eats her ass. <laughs> Fuck. It's so fucked, but the whole scene just made me laugh. Yeah, you know, it's funny. It's funny, mm-hmm. but it's fucked. <laughs> yeah, so fucked. Jan as well in that movie, like the fact that he like borderline sexually harasses women and he's like, it's okay. I just like occasionally slip my finger up her skirt. It's yes. Like, oh my what? God. What? Oh, but she loves it though. Yeah, she, she does. loves it. But like still. Contro. Oh, you totally. know who doesn't love it? Missy. Oh, when, Missy. Like, and, when but she doing, hits him yeah, when he does it. She that's, fucks him up. Because that's fucked. She's like maybe the archetype for the feminist yeah, in the movie. Sexy Leslie and Jan Jan, Jan, Jan the, the cheerleading, cheerleading man. man. Iconic. I just think overall the movie has so many themes, especially like at that stage I would have been like, God, nine years old. So like that really did set probably an unhealthy precedent for like what I expected high school to be like Um, because obviously being nine years old, your only imprint of like high school is what you see in films and it's all very much that kind of same thing, right? Where it's like very idealised, everyone's like 25 but at high school, you know? I really thought that when I became a teenager, I would suddenly get taller, become white and blonde (laughs) and I would grow boobs and I am 33 and none of that has happened. Stop. I also thought I would get fit and hot as well. None of those things happened. Because I remember watching like Seventh Heaven, like Babysitter's Club, like all those movies where they have like teenagers in high school and there weren't many Asians, right? So I was like... I fully just thought I was going to grow up to be a white girl. Like I had no idea. I hadn't, yeah, I had no idea what I was going to grow up to look like. Mm -hmm. Isn't that crazy? Totally. And then even like our perspectives of it, like I guess it's something I obviously don't notice when I watch movies so much. And I feel like it's now not a problem, but like in 2000s, that's just something like I wouldn't have clicked. Like as a nine-year-old, I wouldn't have been like, oh my God, there's like, not a lot of people of colour on this screen. And it's like... When well, they're they, all just like shoved it yeah. in East Compton. <laughs> and when they were depicted, that's what I was about to say. When they were depicted, they were like, you know, depicted as almost like, yeah, like... Hood. Hood. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, well, no, there's like also very affluent people of colour as well. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's and now they had one Asian student at Rancho Carne. How? <laughs> out of the entire, out of the entire thing, oh one Asian, like, are you joking? Yeah. I've got to also give special props to Torrance because I guess off the back of finding out Big Red's been jacking all those cheers from um, the, Clovers. the Clovers, she really sticks to her guns and goes against the advice of her team by, um, you know, seeking out 
Sparky Palastri. External choreographers. External to choreographers help. to help out, um, which goes horribly, <laughs> but is a massive learning curve for her because it really allows her to fully um, realize her creativity. And she takes all this beautiful inspiration from all these different kinds of dance. And, and they end up like coming up with that choreography together as a team. Yeah. Yeah. But so then first they have to be knocked down a peg and realize that they that there is some growth that needs to happen within the team. So, like, imagine finding out the last three years of your cheerleading career have all been based off a lie. Like, you've been stealing someone else's routines, right? Like, so props to Torrance because she shows strength in a completely different way than Isis. And she, like, does the right thing. I think she really takes lemons and she turns them into lemonade. And she does end up bringing the whole team up to second place, which is fantastic. Um, and then she also dumps her cheating boyfriend and then, you know, realises that this guy Cliff is actually really good for her because, like, she's kind of stringing him along throughout the movie mm-hmm. where he doesn't realise that she actually has – well, he knows that she has a boyfriend, but I don't know. Like, he's kind of dumb too. Like, he knows that she's got a boyfriend, but she strings him along for sure. Yeah, I think Cliff plays a really big part in helping her grow as a human being. I guess her ex, he tells her she's a great cheerleader, but perhaps she's not captain material. Um, And I guess in hearing that, that's probably the demise of their relationship. And um, I think from that, yeah, Torrance just makes, makes for a beautiful captain in a completely different way than Isis is. In the sense of she had never had to fight for anything. And Privilege. now, yeah. And now she was kind of like having to work her way up, right? She had been knocked off all the pegs. She was like, at, she was on the ground and she really had to like climb her way back up. She almost got there, but didn't, you know? You kind of see this rhetoric of like, you know, the white girl doesn't always win. You see the underdog succeed, which is like what you always want to see, right? Um, but it's actually quite funny because they had an alternate ending to the movie. And okay. so we have the final scene where the Clovers obviously win and then they have that like little Mickey, you're so fine, like sing off with all the bloopers. That is probably my second favourite part besides the opening scene, the closing scene. It's iconic. Because they're all singing and dancing together and like all the um, like guest stars. come. It's quite funny. But anyway, so the... Alternate scene was actually meant to be Torrance and Isis actually end up going to the same college and end up on the same cheerleading cheerleading team. And that would have made for a really great sequel. But for whatever reason, they decided to do something completely different with a completely different cast. Like that, imagine I bring it on to... With, with those two. Kristen Dunst and Gab Union. That would have been... I would have watched that. I would have watched that too instead of these two random. That's the thing. If you have a sequel and you don't bring back the original stars, people aren't going to watch it. No. Unless no. it's Fast and Furious. <laughs> Stop. You know how much I hate Fast and Furious. I, don't I love talk it. About Fast I love it so much. The 800 Fast and Furious movies. <laughs> <laughs> how? Vin Diesel's still getting a gig out of that, though. I know. They're He's, all still getting gigs. Tyrese, yeah. Ludacris. It's Didn't, because they don't have to have any real acting skills. They just come back and return as a beloved character and then they get paid probably a million dollars. And didn't like Michelle Rodriguez die like three times in the series or yeah. something? Like she's died multiple times. I know. Oh, what the hell? Bless. Okay, so that's <laughs> that's our wrap up of Bring It On. <laughs> Let's, I never want to talk about Fast and Furious again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> We're going to 
to do a Fast and Furious episode. Sorry. <sighs> Fine. I guess I'll suck it up for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, Amelia, how many warm and fuzzies would you give this film out of 10? Out of 10, I'm going to give it a 9. I'm going to give it a nine and a half. Mm-hmm. It doesn't get 10 just because of a few very minor things that I now reflect on as an adult, as we discussed. And I'm just like, Ugh, problematic. And I guess like, I guess it kind of plays onto the age old thing of like, you know, just rewatching something tarnish your opinion of the movie or like watching it under a different lens to tarnish your view of a movie. And it's like, well, yeah, a little bit, but it's like also it kind of shows how much society's grown. You know, which is which is always great to see. So, yeah, that is it. Now let us move on to our next segment, our favourite nostalgic thing of the week. Okay, cool. So we did a poll with you guys on Sunday, which I was really excited about. Me too. This is our um, first poll, one of many. So we're going to kind of do this every week to get you guys involved and um, – Really have some fun with some nostalgic things. I love I love a this or that. So Yeah, so we did do it on the Instagram. So if you aren't already following our Instagram page, warm and fuzzy underscore podcast, podcast. Yeah. Uh, then please do because that's where we did our really fun poll. And there's also just like really fun nostalgic content on mm-hmm. there anyway. And we give some great teasers. So um, it's really it's a, it's really another way to engage with the podcast. Um, so we essentially, yeah, we asked everyone what their favorite nostalgic toys were. We gave them two options and, um, I'll run through those now. So the first one was Game Boy or Sega. Amelia, what Game was Boy. yours? Oh, me, Game Boy, 100%. And mine was a clear Game Boy. So mine was a silver Game Boy. It was, so this is like my first Game Boy. It was black and white Game Boy. It was silver. My nonna brought it for me. And I remember going to the post office to pick it up because my mum had missed the parcel um and it came with zelda Link's awakening and i was like obsessed my games were mega man and kirby's dreamland okay i was also like i loved my um pokemon red and blue yellow and then second we had digimon adventure or tamagotchi tamagotchi 100 percent. me too let me just say digimon adventure was essentially a pedometer but like <laughs> it was a great way to get kids fit because but hun i would sit there just shaking it until like another digimon rocked up we had uh, i think tamagotchis were banned in my primary school same same so i used to get my mum to look after mine while i was at school oh my god yeah and then one day i came home and it was a ufo and i don't think i've ever forgiven her since you know when it becomes a ufo and it's like game over oh oh my god becomes a flying saucer i still have mine actually i literally just like have all these things nothing made me angrier than coming home from school and there was like a million shits on the oh yeah there's so many little poos (laughs) and you're like (laughs) now i have to clean it up also hon what are you eating what's what's the diet drop the diet because that's high in fiber honey (laughs) (laughs) next is furby or love love furby okay i do love furby but i also love a toy that gives birth to another toy. So Love Love has a special place. I in my had heart. a baby born and a pregnant Barbie that had a baby. So that I think pregnant that was, Barbie was that a thing? Yeah, they had like a Barbie where you could like remove her pregnant belly and inside was a baby. Dead. <laughs> Stop it. That's freaky. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I never want to hear about that again. <laughs> um, <laughs> next is. Mighty Max or Polly Pocket? Polly Pocket. I was Mighty Max all the way. I would say that's probably the most 
masculine thing about me was the fact that I once played with Mighty Max. Um, next one is My Little Pony or Troll Doll. This one was hard because I had both. Um, I think I picked Trolls just yeah. because I had more of them. I'm pro Troll Doll as well. I remember I used to have this Troll Doll and I think I told you this story already, Amelia. I used to brush its hair so much that one day I was brushing it and the whole head cap just popped <laughs> off and flew off. And it was just bold, but I still kept it. It just had like a little concave head. Dead. And then my um, auntie had very problematic, a Native American one in her house. And I used to want to play with it so bad. But it was like one for decoration. So she We had those as well. It. I have um, special edition Barbies that uh, cannot be touched. Like I have a Native American Barbie. <laughs> I have like Stop. a Filipino Barbie. Okay, or, yeah. cute. We love. Mm. Um, next is Barbie or Bratz. Barbie. Way in. Oh, see, Bratz I'm very, is not my like, generation though. I think I probably hit the cusp of Bratz and I was very much like, I love the Bratz because like she was serving lip, she was serving waist, she was serving fits. Barbie's also a bit of an, like Barbie is an icon. Okay, so the next one on our list is Doodle Bear or Cabbage Patch Kids. I'm going to say Cabbage Patch Kids, but I had both. But my relationship to Cabbage Patch Dolls is stronger. Our family was like Cabbage Patch Doll family. So my cousin used to have a ton of Cabbage Patch Dolls and I used to love them. The smell, like they smelled like baby. Yes. They smelled like baby. Like that's what I specifically remember. Like they smelled like baby powder. That's We were probably breathing in like arsenic or something. But I love that. <laughs> I um, it's like how does that smell? <laughs> yeah. How do they still smell they, like that? How do they still smell like that today? I don't want to know. Um, and then one thing I remember Cabbage Patch, about Cabbage Patch Kids is that they used to come with little birth certificates. Yes. Which I think is just like such a cute little touch to something. I still have my – of course I do. I'm a hoarder. But mine, my first one, her name was Sydney. Oh my god! Like spelled S I D N E Y or like Sydney as in S I D. I'm pretty sure. Very American. Mm. Yeah, love that. Um, next one is Betty Spaghetti or Sky Dancer. Sky Dancer. Sky and that Dancer. was mine. The one that you've got the photo of the Stop. dolphin one. I love that. Sky dancers were very iconic. I always think of, have you seen that um, video of the girl that like rips her Sky Dancer and it goes into the fire? Yes. I always think of that video whenever I think of anything sky dancer that's what i always my brother of. broke mine <gasps> so he pulled the string too hard and it snapped but then they had to ban those at school because they're so fucking dangerous so you could like poke an eye out mate you could take someone out with these um yeah i my cousin once again my cousin tomorrow who i was very close with growing up had a sky dancer and i used to love it but similarly to you my brother ruined my woody toy so he had like the pullback like an actual woody and that got ruined and it was just never the same brothers yeah man. chaotic uh next one is the puppy surprise or kitty surprise puppy surprise yeah this is essentially like cats or dogs right mm -hmm. like i am so pro dog once again and a toy that gives birth that yep. was very much a theme in the 90s and early 2000s apparently it's just all it's all very feminine stuff yeah yeah. Right. I mean, like, does it set a bad rhetoric for women, like expecting to have a children? No, it's biology. Okay, fair. <laughs> <laughs> me, me looking into the psychology of it. Um, 
And then next, Pucci or Sony Aibo? Pucci because no one can afford the Sony Aibo. Well, can I say something? I your could. man, your man Dan, no, I definitely could not, but your man Dan chose Sony Aibo. So clearly <gasps> he could afford rich it. Rich boy. Yeah, rich boy. Oh my I had God. a Pucci and hun, that thing would barely catch that bone. Like it was. I didn't even those... have one, but my, my, my choice would have been Pucci because oh, Pucci, I knew 100%. that I had to stay within the budget. Sony Aibo is just like very next level. It's serving very much futuristic dog. Yeah. Jetsons energy. You know, like the dog from Jetsons? That's I, the vibe. I um, had that dog leash that you could get from Disneyland, the invisible dog. Oh. Oh, you don't know this? <laughs> no, that sounds This very, is just a weird thing from my childhood. very BDSM. So there Continue. is a... It's literally a dog leash with a wire going through it so that when you hold it out, it looks as though you have an invisible dog walking on the lead. And we had one each, my older brother and I. We thought it was the best thing ever because we weren't allowed dogs. So we were like, let's get invisible dogs. And then we walked around with them in Canberra when we came back from the US. (laughs) It's like you only walk around with that at Disneyland because everybody else has them. It's like if you're walking around with that or a giant pickle, you should be in Disneyland. 100%. Anywhere outside of that, you're probably classified a loony. You know, like that's not, that's not on. (laughs) And then I think this is the last one. We had the Viewmaster or the Disney read-along. The Viewmaster. Okay. Interesting. I was very much Disney read-along. Because the Viewmaster is 80s, right? Like early 90s, late 80s. So we had a hand-me-down toys because my brother was born in 85, I think. Okay. Yeah. So I just used to play with. I also had a Viewmaster, but I think my go-to was always a Disney read-along, especially coming into like the end of like like you know oh what I, mean? like I see what that vibes. is now sorry i'm so blind but i had those as well so you yeah. play the tape and you then play it the reads tape. and, and then it would you... usually be like a celebrity that like had been on like so, yeah okay like, i had both of those yeah so like will smith would like were they like the highlight of your weekend did you just like sit in front of a tape deck with your books and cassettes i or used was to that love it me? no i used to love it i, loved and I used it. to love like a good old video yeah made my day love it um yeah, thanks so much, guys, for engaging in that poll. Um, I think most of you agreed with, like, the same ones we did, except for Love Love, which I'll stand by for the rest of my life. And if you don't follow our Instagram, then you have no idea what we're talking about and we've been rambling on for mm-hmm. 15 minutes. So yeah. um, you should you, probably follow us. Yeah, so it's warm and fuzzy underscore podcast. Okay, so that's it. That's the episode. We will see you next week for another episode. What are we going to talk about next episode? Do we know yet? Are we going to tell them? No. No, we're not. Okay, (laughs) we'll see you next week for another episode. Bye. Bye.